tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 2, just a little bit up, I think, and we're good there. Can everybody hear me all right? Good, good. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> Have you ever had uh, what they call one of those days? Or maybe you've had one of those days that lasted a week or two weeks or a month. I would say that November and December have kind of been that uh, for me and, and for some in our church with Thanksgiving. Uh, we have Christmas, uh, three funerals now in the last month, uh, father-in-law sick, and now on top of that moving and, and a lot of things going on. I heard a story about a little boy who saw a commercial uh, for a brand of detergent. He went to the store to buy it. He told the grocer that he was buying the detergent to bathe his cat. And the grocer said, this detergent is too strong. It'll kill your cat. And uh, he said, I'm going to buy it anyway, so good kid. He took it home. A few days later, he comes back. Grocer says, how's your cat? He says, he died. He said, I told you that that detergent would kill him. And the boy said, no, it wasn't the detergent that killed him. It was the spin cycle. And uh, sometimes we're in that spin cycle, aren't we? We feel like it. Our life is just uh, where we're just going and going and going. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you felt like that at times where you're stuck in a spin cycle. And here is some good news I want to share with you tonight. God's grace is more than sufficient for your spin cycle and for your needs. As we continue to talk about grace tonight, we look at replenishing grace, a replenishing grace. We've looked at a renewing grace, and, and I want to look tonight at the replenishing grace that God can offer us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're in verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you'd help us in these few minutes we have together that we would just uh, see clearly the replenishing grace that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, since the fall of man, we've lived in a fallen world filled with pain, a sinful, sin-cursed world. There's been suffering, there's death. We all deal with it. Uh, we all need grace to replenish us as we walk through this world and, and as things hit us. Now, an important role of the church, which is obviously uh, a light to the community, it is a, a, uh, a builder of Christians and those that come, the place of worship, service, fellowship, but it's also to provide a place where we can grow in the grace of the Lord. It's an island of hope. This ought to be a haven of grace, this church. And, and by the way, that's how I feel about Wednesday nights. I don't know about you, but I love that midweek charge the, uh, you know, the tank starts getting empty, and then you just come out and get charged up a little bit with the fellowship and, and the, the Word of God. Uh, but I want to look at three ways God's grace replenishes us for the challenges of our life. Number one, His grace replenishes our strength. Uh, I've noticed when people get really busy, whether it is work, school, uh, other activities, the spin cycle. When we get caught up in the spin cycle of life, one of the first things that often people will cut out is their service for God. They'll pull out of things in church and they'll, or, or ministries that they're a part of. And they don't have time to teach Sunday school anymore, to work in the nursery or work on the bus route. And so they remove these things from their schedule because they are too busy to do them anymore. The problem is that the, the work of the Lord is his desire for our life. And uh, it's not an optional thing for us to be serving God in some way. Uh, Paul wrote his last epistle here, 2 Timothy, as he approached the end of his life. He's writing to Second Timothy, uh, or he's writing to Timothy, and uh, Timothy was his son in the faith, and Paul has been his mentor as he is uh, beginning his ministry. And uh, Paul's no longer going to be able to be there for Timothy after a while here. And so he wants to help his young friend here face the battles that are going to come, the opposition that's going to be there, 
uh, these struggles, that discouragement, which every single one of us face if we're going to try to do anything for God. We're just going to face those things. And so, in fact, in church history, we, we learned that Timothy was martyred while he was pastoring that church in Ephesus. And he needed to grow in grace to effectively fulfill the ministry that God has called him to, which is exactly what Paul is telling him to do here in verse 1 that we read, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So the older apostle writes this farewell letter to his young follower. We see strength for service. Uh, as God's grace replenishes our strength, he gives us strength for service. In Hebrews 12, 28, the Bible says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, and then it tells us why, whereby we may serve God. We don't get grace just to get it and put it in our bank account. We get grace so we can put it to work for God. We want to use it and serve God. And Paul did not tell Timothy here to be all you can be, or if you can dream it, you can achieve it. You know, these every day is a Friday messages. These are fine to try to pump yourself up or to rally yourself to action, but this is not a self-help message. And the problem with self-help messages are that they assume that self can do it and self can't do it. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. We're insufficient. And so Paul's message here to Timothy is one of utter dependence on God and on God's grace. We all need that same grace for our lives today. All the spiritual strength that we possess is rooted in the Lord. Paul knew this truth firsthand. Do you remember uh, before, well, before this, Paul had his own struggles when he was asking God to remove the thorn in the flesh that was in his life. He really wanted the Lord to take it away, and he was, it was struggling with a weakness. I don't, we don't know exactly what it was. Uh, tradition says it was his eyes. We don't know that for sure, but uh, he wanted it gone, and it was something that he was struggling with. He got this message from the Lord, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This is interesting, because Paul looked at it as a weakness. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now that's an amazing thing. And that's why Paul then said, Most gladly, therefore, will I suffer that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul was willing to suffer. He was willing to go through a weakness if God's strength would, and, and through God's grace would be sufficient for him, which God promised it was. Now he's sharing that with Timothy. He's able to have that testimony. Look, I wanted something gone from my life. God said, no, you're keeping it, but my grace will get you through it. And now he's able to share that with Timothy. What a blessing. Maybe that's one reason God left that in his life, so that Paul would be able to invest in others and teach them what God did for me, he can do for you as well. To, to this word, uh, to be strong, in verse 1, be strong means to receive strength, to be strengthened, or to increase in strength. And the same original word is used in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brother, be strong, and it tells us how, in the Lord and in the power of his might. What we're talking about here is being enabled. Uh, we, we can't, we, we do not have the strength in and of ourselves to do what we need to do. We just don't. Well, you, you might think you do, you might think you have the tools in and of yourself, but you start dealing with people, uh, and you start ministering to people, and the uh, emotional expenditure and the physical expenditure You'll be spent very soon if you don't continually draw on that reservoir of God's grace. And so to have God's strength to do God's work, that's what we're talking about right here. God gives us the ability to persevere when we have no more strength. He gives us strength to make a way when we feel there is no way. And we've got to have God's grace to serve him acceptably. So he gives us strength for service, also strength for suffering. James chapter 5, verse 10. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction, and of patience. Some preachers today uh, preach a message that living for God will result in health and prosperity. 
And if you're not experiencing health and prosperity, you're obviously doing something wrong or God's not pleased with you. Uh, tell Job that. There's a lot of people in the Bible we could point to. But uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that live godly shall suffer persecution. So every single one of us, if we're going to live for the Lord, we're going to try to do our best to live godly lives, you're going to suffer some persecution because the devil's not happy with us living for God. So uh, we have to expect it in our life. Justice Anton Scalia said, Devout Christians are destined to be regarded as fools in modern society. Have we not found that to be true? Grace gives us strength to resist outside pressures and keep doing what is right. Grace does not deliver us from our suffering. It sustains us in our suffering. I wish it kept us from our suffering, but it doesn't. We are going to have suffering in our lives, but his grace will sustain us. God's grace sustains us through two types of suffering. Number one, when we're fearful. Uh, for 2 Timothy 1.7 should be open to that if you want to read that with me. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes suffering makes us fearful, doesn't it? Sure it does. We wonder why sickness has come to our family, why we lost our job, or why our it was our child that got in trouble, or why it was our family that sustained a death. We're, we're, we're burdened by unexpected situations. Because we don't understand why what is happening is happening, then that makes us dread the future and gives us a fear of what will happen next. Someone put it this way, worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. And that's uh, often what we really end up doing with worry and fear. I've seen some people, godly people, endure the most unbelievable, unbearable circumstances. And it wasn't through their own strength. It was through the grace that God gave them to do it. Uh, that comes from grace. The word power in 2 Timothy 1.7 uh, here that says, I've, I've not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Again, that's the word dunamis. We're very familiar with that Greek word dunamis. It, it's where we get our word dynamite, dynamic. We're talking power. He gives us power for this. We find great strength in the grace of God. And the blessing is he gives it to us freely as we continue to ask him. So he gives us when we're fearful, also when we're weary. 2 Corinthians 4.16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's uh, one thing age does to us, doesn't it? Our outward man perishes. Uh, see it. We see our, as our bodies deteriorate, as we get older, and things aren't as easy to do as they were at one time. Uh, the grace of God replenishes our strength when we're worried. I like this, that the inward man is renewed day by day. I may be out of shape in the outward man, but I can be in shape on the inward man. Amen? Both of them take work. That's not the way the world thinks. The world thinks that everybody ought to be in tip-top physical condition. Boy, you, you watch, I don't watch much TV, but uh, commercials... There's all kinds of commercials. This one about losing weight, that one about shaping up, especially around Christmas time, the, the exercise bike. Why would you want to pedal on something that doesn't go anywhere? I never figured that out, just sit there and pedal. And uh, so, but they're trying to sell these different things because the world would have everyone to be in tip-top shape, like Jeremy, right? Built like a house. But uh, you are more than the outward man. You are a living soul created by God for a purpose, and his grace gives you the strength to keep on going no matter how tired you are. Little boy and his dad went shopping. And uh, the boy was carrying the basket and the father was putting things in the basket. And a lady came by and saw the load that the boy was carrying and says, Wow, isn't that a 
big load for a little boy. And the boy replied, don't worry about me. My dad knows how much I can carry. And I tell you today, my dad knows how much I can carry. And sometimes that doesn't match what I think I can carry. But our father knows how much he can put on us. He knows what we are capable of. And he'll never give you more than he gives you the strength to bear. Now, I, I really believe this, and I think I've seen it a number of times in ministry. Sometimes he'll give you more than the strength you can bear on your own, but he won't give you more than he suffices you with his strength to bear. It's a blessing to think of that. What a promise. Coach Vince Lombardi told his team, fatigue makes cowards of us all. That's true in the spiritual life as well. Fatigue, when we are weary, it's easier to be tempted, isn't it? Haven't you found that to be true in your life? When you are fatigued, when you're tired, when you're not feeling well, we call it being cranky. Another word for cranky is sinful. <laughs> I mean, we just we find ourselves easier tempted and pulled away. Do you think it's an accident that Jesus came to, or the devil came to Jesus to tempt him after he's fasted for 40 days, 40 nights? Oh, it's not an accident. He hit him at his very weakest physical point. Jesus knew then that God's grace was sufficient for him, and it will be for you as well. God's grace replenishes our strength. He also, his grace replenishes our spirit. Now, this is important because going through the trials of life, just going through life itself, can, it can discourage us. Uh, some Christians can allow their spirits to be affected by it. Those that used to be happy serving the Lord and involved in the work of the church are now defeated, negative. The greatest things, uh, greatest thing that we can have in our life, really, one of the greatest things is surely is, is the right spirit. Have a right spirit. David talked about having, remember when he sinned and, and uh, went a whole year before he confessed in Psalm 51 is that confession. One of the things he asked the Lord, renew a right spirit within me. He wanted to have a good spirit. And it's so important. How is your spirit tonight as you're serving the Lord? Are you discouraged? Are you bitter? Are you angry? Uh, we need to work on having the right spirit. When David sinned, it affected his spirit. When things happen in our lives, it can affect our spirit. Adverse circumstances, other Christians who've let us down, uh, leaders who've disappointed us, and we can have a big old long list of things that affect our spirit. There's far too many people who don't trust anybody, anybody anymore and don't want to be involved in any service for the Lord anymore uh, because they have a wounded spirit. And we need to be uh, careful to, in that. We need to do some inward introspection sometime as to how our spirit is. Trials come into everyone's life. But God wants to replenish your spirit with his grace. And he'll do so. We, we need not be discouraged. We need not be fatigued. God wants to help you overcome those obstacles. God doesn't, let, wanna, doesn't allow anything into your life for the purpose of having you quit. He wants to make you stronger. doesn't want you to quit. Uh, just uh, like in, in our physical life, if we want to get stronger, we've got to move stronger obstacles. So whether it be bench pressing or whether it be running farther, whatever it is that we have to do, we have to overcome more and more obstacles as we gain strength. Same as in the spirit. So he wants to move you from doubt to faith. Philemon. Book of Philemon 18 uh, and 19. Well, it's only got one chapter. So verse 18 and 19. Paul's talking to Philemon. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how, owest, how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Verse 25. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be, listen to this, with your spirit. Now, I don't know if you know the story, but uh, Onesimus was the slave of Philemon. He had run away, so he was a runaway slave. And uh, then he had ended up in a jail in Rome, perhaps because he was a runaway slave. There he met the Apostle Paul and became a Christian. Paul then wanted to send Philemon, or, uh, Onesimus back to Philemon, and he wrote a letter to accompany him. Now, 
Philemon had lost faith in Onesimus. He no longer trusted him. And Paul wrote this letter to Philemon reminding him of the grace of God that led to his own conversion. He just kind of sticks that in there, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. How God had been graceful to him. And it's important that we remember that, amen? It's important that we in our lives never forget how we got saved, how God had mercy on us, how God showed grace to us. And he, here he, Paul, had personally led Onesimus to the Lord, so he sends a letter to Philemon encouraging him to accept Onesimus just as God had accepted him. How is that kind of forgiveness possible? Uh, how could Philemon replace his cynicism with a gracious spirit? Which I think it's interesting. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit because that's what he will do. He will renew your spirit. Only The answer to those questions, by the way, is only through God's grace. It's only through God's grace that we can overcome that kind of bitterness and have a forgiving spirit. Only God's grace can replenish our spirits as we yield ourselves to him, allow him to love others through us. Have you ever had to do that? I know that this sounds terrible coming from a pastor, but some people are hard to love. Not any of you, of course, but some people. They're hard to love. And some people, you have to love them with God's love. He gives, them enough, he gives you that love uh, to, that you can uh, give to them. And so we need that. We've got to have it. We have got to have God's grace for our spirits. Otherwise, we're going to get crusty. We're going to get mean. We're going to get cranky. We're going to get short with people. We won't have any patience. We've got to have God's grace to constantly replenish our spirit. Now, church history. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened with Philemon and Onesimus. It doesn't uh, fill in the rest of the story. But as Paul Harvey used to say, uh, church history gives us the rest of the story. And Onesimus was accepted at his return. In fact, he eventually became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Grace kept Philemon from reflecting all the hurts that he'd suffered. And it'll do the same for you. We have to allow God's grace to be the salve for our hurts and our offenses. Because people will hurt you. They just will. It's just a part of being human. It's going to happen. So are we going to let ourselves get sour and bitter and angry? Are we going to allow God's grace to heal us? 2 Timothy 4.22 The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Many people talk about grace, but they don't maybe spend that much time thinking about their spirit. Grace can take you from doubt, from questioning, from anger, and it can take you to faith if you seek God and allow his grace to heal your wounded spirit. Now, the average brain weighs, uh, at, at birth, weighs 14 ounces. Usually, it reaches its maximum size. You're the human brain, which this proves that size has nothing to do with intelligence because your brain reaches its optimal size at age 15. I talked to my daughter. My daughter's 15. I thought, now, there's no way that that can be the optimal of intelligence, but it is the optimal of our physical size of our brain. So at its maximum size, our brain, average, weighs about 46 ounces. Have you ever seen a big gulp? One of those big, big, big gulps? That's about uh, the, the biggest size at Hy-Vee, that big green one, that monster, buck, uh, the bucket without a handle that they have for pop. That's the, that's the weight of our brain, about 46 ounces. Now they say that we only use about 10% of our brain. I don't know how true this is, but that's what they say. If that's true, we have went from a big gulp to a beanie weenie. All right, that's all we're using of our brains. We're not using much. We're just using about 10 ounces of the 46 ounces. So we start out with a big gulp. This is what we end up using. So I ask you, with our beanie weenie brain,
brain, are we going to comprehend the infinite? Are we going to discover the, or decipher the mysteries of the universe? Are we going to answer all the questions? Not on your life. We can't do this on our own. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to get angry. We're going to get defeated. We've got to have God's help when it comes to dealing with these things. Isn't it better to put our trust and faith in someone that does understand it all? <laughs> I mean, understands it all, understands the future, understands the past. We just need to put our faith and trust in him. And then, not only from doubt and questioning to faith, but from discouragement to hope. Second Thessalonians 2, 16 through 17. Now our Lord, we're still talking about replenishing our spirit. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and word, word and work. Is it important for him to comfort our hearts? Yes. Yes, sometimes our hearts need some comfort, don't they? I mean, our hearts can be in turmoil. We need that comfort. So if we forget that God is working on our behalf, we find it easy to get discouraged. But we need to remember that. God gives us hope and comfort in hard times. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. He's constantly, continually pouring his grace on our lives. Paul said that establishes or establishes us. And notice how practical it is, by the way. It's not just a feeling. It's not just, oh, you can have a warm, fuzzy feeling from heaven God gives you. It's not just for that. It's the foundation for good works. It's the foundation for good words. Because look at how the verse finishes. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Nothing shows God to the world more than demonstrating grace. When we demonstrate grace, nothing shows the love of Jesus Christ more than when we can demonstrate grace to others uh, to, in difficult circumstances, to difficult people. <laughs> Have you ever had to deal with anybody with difficult people? Yeah, God puts those in our path once in a while, doesn't he? There's some people that you, you become convinced God created them just to make you a better person. Once you're better, maybe he'll take them off the map, all right? Just get better, and then maybe he'll take care of them. But uh, we, when people see us as, a, as living in hope instead of despair, they'll realize we have something they don't have. We need to show the grace of God to others. It's the testimony that Paul and Silas had that moved the Philippian jailer. Remember that? They were singing in, in, in the midst of their imprisonment and had just gotten beaten and they're singing and then there's that earthquake, the jail is open, the jailer's about to kill himself thinking that everybody's escaped and then and he saw the grace that Paul and Silas showed to him. You, be, you better believe it was grace, they didn't run off. He said, we're all here still. That's what made him run up. What must I do to be saved? <laughs> Man, it's it's as we show grace to others, that makes them thirsty for what we have. And so we need to continually do that. And then finally, his grace, grace replenishes our supply. Our supply. Our tank. Our tank gets empty, just like your car's gas tank. Uh, once our kids grew to be teenagers, I was just shocked at how quickly our groceries were consumed because I, I uh, 
remember having daughters. I had all these daughters before I had a son. And I remember people told me when they were little, at least it won't be a bunch of boys eating you out of house and home. They didn't meet my daughters because they could eat out of house and home just as well as any male could. And the supplies didn't stretch very far. When my kids turned into teenagers, that's when I got a Sam's Club membership. So I could buy things in bulk, you know, the, the hot dogs in 80 count boxes. That's the way we buy hot dogs. We buy things in bulk. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. We, we get depleted. And so we constantly have to return to the throne of grace. Constantly, continually, to refill our tank. I'm telling you, I, I can't, I've said this before, but I can't even communicate to you how often it happens where I have, I'm talking to spiritually defeated people and they don't come to church. They don't come to church. And I, and I just, why? why? Why do you think you're having trouble? And you try to be kind, but uh, you know, you're, you're not doing what God says to do. And guess what? Your tank's empty. You gotta, you gotta go and refill your tank once in a while. And so you have to, this, this, this idea that we can just continually go on and on and face life's challenges with never approaching the throne of grace, we're not going to be able to do it. We're going to be very frustrated. In the model prayer, some people call it the Lord's Prayer, but he asked for forgiveness and God doesn't have to do that. I, I like to call it the model prayer. Jesus taught us in, in Matthew 6, 11, he, in, within that he said, give us this day our daily bread. Now, if God gave us all the supplies we would ever need, we wouldn't have any need to continually come to him. So he says, give us this day our daily bread. Guess what we ask for tomorrow? Tomorrow's daily bread. And then the next day we pray for that day's daily bread. Uh, but look, look at the two things that God provides for us by grace. He provides forgiveness by his grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I mentioned Sunday, our needs are not economical, they're not educational, they're not emotional. I mean, our, our primary need, I should say, is not emotional. Our greatest need is forgiveness for our sins. That's every human being's greatest need. And grace is what provides that forgiveness. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? If you're not forgiven, get forgiven. It's available to you through grace. Uh, grace is unmerited, undeserved favor from God. Only Jesus Christ offers this forgiveness because he is the only one who can since he paid the penalty for our sin on Calvary. Religions around the world offer salvation in exchange for works. And guess what? They fail because they can't do it. You can't offer what you haven't paid for. And religion cannot offer salvation. Only Jesus Christ can. There is no forgiveness apart from grace. Can't earn it. Can't work for it. It's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's the acrostic uh, that I like to use for grace. In a cemetery not far from New York City is a headstone engraved with a single word, forgiven. The message is simple. There's no date of birth. There's no date of death. There's just no epitaph, nothing else. There's only a name and a solitary word, forgiven. And yet, that's the greatest word that could be applied to any man or woman on earth, isn't it? Forgiven. Forgiven. What a blessing. God supplies forgiveness by His grace. He also supplies help 
by His grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, and yet was without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. I like that word therefore. When we see the word therefore, we look at what it's there for. And it's therefore the fact that He has identified with us. We talked about this Sunday. He identified with our poverty. He identified with our uh, weaknesses. Not that he was weak, but he walked in our shoes. And he was tempted like we were. All these different areas he identified with us. And therefore, or because of that, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Now that's a blessing. That's a tremendous truth in the Bible there. That we may, what? Obtain mercy. We may obtain, because that's what we need. We need mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sometimes God calms a storm. Other times he lets the storm rage and calms his child. How? Grace in time of need. Salvation meets our greatest need, but even after we're saved, we need God's grace to help in time of need. Jesus is touched when you hurt. He suffered adversity and temptation just like we do. He understands our pain. He, he wants to help and he offers his grace freely. And he tells us you can come and boldly ask for it. Come boldly to the throne of grace uh, and find help in time of need. What a blessing that is. Grace is like the support beam for our soul after it has first received mercy. He'll continually, God's grace has to be a part of our everyday life. I'm sure you've heard the story before. I've used it, I think, from the pulpit several times. But uh, the story about the boy who had a cocoon in, the, in a box in his room and uh, waited for that moth to break out. You ever had that before? He, had a, he was waiting for days and days for this moth to break out. And finally he saw some action. And uh, he had the little hole and he was trying to work his way out. And the boy noticed how much he was struggling. And so he wanted to help. And he reached down to the cocoon and he just widened the hole just a little bit so that the moth could come out. He noticed that its wings never filled out. They just remained shriveled and realized something was wrong with the moth. And indeed there was because the boy did not realize that struggle was necessary for the development of the wings. And so in trying to help him, he removed the struggle from the moth and now the moth was not ever able to fly was not ever able to be what it was supposed to be because the struggle was necessary to gain the strength to live in its next phase of life. That's just how it is for the Christian. The struggle is often necessary for us. If we want to rise and soar to great heights, sometimes it requires some struggle uh, before we get there. And trials are necessary for spiritual growth. God allows those things in our life to develop us and strengthen us to be used of His glory. God doesn't want us only to be saved. He wants us to grow as believers and to be strong in His grace. God's grace makes us strong enough to serve Him. It gives us the ability to endure suffering. I, I've, I've told people before that, I, again, I deal a lot with people that, that don't make church a high priority. And well, I don't know, the, the hard times I've went through in my life, if I wouldn't have had a church family, I don't know what I'd have done. I don't, know how you, I don't know how you do these things without a loving church family to work uh, with. So he wants us to grow as believers and grow together 
and uh, even suffer together sometimes, bear you one another's burdens. So God's grace renews our spirit. It replaces our doubt with faith. It replaces discouragement with hope. Isaac Watts, in his hymn, asked the question, Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? The answer is no. <laughs> That's not how it happens. We aren't on flowery beds of ease. There's troubles. There's trial. There's tribulation. But in every one of them, God provides sufficient grace. If we ask for it, he's got it available for us. Don't forget the verse. Again, I read it to you. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help or grace to help in time of need. And boy, we need that grace. We've got to have it on a daily basis. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the promises we see in Scripture. We thank you for this promise of grace. It, it, it's